Well, you've seen this guy, John Higgins, running up and down the basketball court over the winter months for the last 35 years, calling NCAA Division I basketball games. In fact, he has officiated nine national semifinals and two national championship games in the NCAA. But what you may not know about John Higgins is he is an exceptionally talented business owner. Back in 1987, he started a company called WeatherGuard, also known today as Rooferies, that puts on gutters and siding and roofs. And he has built that from nothing on top of balancing all of his basketball duties and having a few other entrepreneurial ventures. In this episode, you're going to learn some key things from John. First off, how he dealt with crisis management in 2017 with his business. Also, how to make sure you're getting referrals for your business. And lastly, he's got a company really built on a family culture and how he deals with those relationships, not just with family, but those not within his family who work for the company and how he makes that work. It is a fascinating episode. And of course, our producer, Grace Dunbar, has helped bring this to you. Please enjoy Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. All right, this is, we got a lot of road to cover here, John. Um, I'm telling you what, you've got a unique, interesting, fascinating road that we're going we're gonna to cover. But before we get to the whole business part and your officiating career, we got to start first off with your Mayberry. So tell us what your Mayberry was growing up. My Mayberry was uh, the cathedral area. We grew up at 38th in California. My dad and uh, my my dad was a teacher and coach at Cathedral for 20 years, from like 1953 to 73. Then he uh, then he left, and we stayed there and went to. My dad went to Bryan High School for a few years, and he went to. He ended up going to Roncalli, but our fr- family grew up at, at, in the cathedral area, and I, and now in. Yeah, 15 years 15 years ago um, we lived out west my wife and I and, and we moved back to the area I live two blocks from uh, where I grew up right now so when I hear Omaha Cathedral I think a couple of things but one is fish fries fish fries yeah. part of the family fabric fish fry well yeah we do that we did every Friday obviously yeah uh, and then uh, when Cathedral shut theirs down Holy Name had theirs so we go over to Holy Name's fish fry and that was unbelievable uh, but it was a, it's a big, it's been a big community thing. That's why I moved back to the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it, I've had such a host of, of guests on and, and some of them grew up in small towns, right? And they got the sandlot right next door, the park right next door. I've had some folks who have obviously grown up in bigger communities. What was it like as a 12 year old middle of the summer, July in Omaha? Uh, tell me a, a typical day. What it was like for you? Well, <clears throat> my best friend lived up the street that had 15 kids. Mm. Another really good friend, Don Wood, he lived down the street. They had 13 kids. So our neighborhood was, if you had anything under eight kids, it was, there was something wrong with you. So we had the, the, we had the toughest kick to can games in Duchenne Academy. We had the, uh, you know, uh, the Little League baseball games over in, in the park. Uh, Bemis Park uh, and, and Cathedral's baseball. Uh, and then, then my dad, of course, we had the keys to the high school gym. So we would, myself, and i get all my buddies, we'd have 20, 30 kids in there, and we'd go play basketball in the gym on no supervision, just us and the kids. The only thing my dad didn't know is we had the, we had the uh, – uh, candy room uh, key, and we got in there, and we had we had a really good time. <laughs> Raided the candy room. Oh, I love God, it. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did. You know, you got to have a little mischievous there. To, oh, absolutely. So yeah. basketball was it your deal? I mean, w- did, yeah. did you know? Because I know Cathedral. I think of Tim Cannon, um, yeah. who oh, coached yeah. there yeah. as well, and your father had a great run. Yeah. So was it your deal, at, or were you thinking baseball, football? No, I, was, I played all sports, uh, but basketball was my love. Uh, uh, I guess. Uh, of all the sports, I was probably the best sport I was at. Um, so it, 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 and I was I was just a basketball junkie, and and yeah. I loved to watch it. I always, of course, every kid thinks, oh, I'm gonna go to college, and I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to the NBA, and you know that's just everybody's thought until you really get there and think, eh, let me see, I'm six three, I don't <laughs> jump that good, I'm not that fast, and I'm just okay shooter. So 
uh, yeah, you, you learn pretty quickly that you're, you're just not, you may not be cut out for that. You know, as we all get older, right, we all say, boy, it's such a shame with this generation. You know, they got the video games. They don't get outside. But I do think there's something to be said oh. for the way we grew up. Oh, yeah. And it also sounds like this big Catholic neighborhood you grew up in. Yeah. There was a lot of arms around all of you guys and, and gals in that neighborhood. A lot of eyes. Talk a little bit about that. A lot of eyes. I could remember the time that... <clears throat> My best friend, John Kirby, and I, which started my, our business together, we borrowed $20 from his mother's purse. And back in 19, <laughs> like 70, whatever it was, 72, um, 73, 74, somewhere in that ballpark, uh, we went down to Arlen's and then went to Food City and, and uh, we bought some bunch of G.I. Joe's and all this kind of stuff and candy and stuff. And then we're at my house and... And we were sitting on the on the floor, and, and my mom called his mom and uh, said, hey, did you give uh, the boys some money to go? And she said, no. So anyway, long story short, they get home. I can remember um, I was up there still, and Mr. Kirby uh, called. And uh, he didn't call. He just, he just he, he, uh, put us in the corner, pulled our pants down, and whipped us. And... <laughs> My mom, did, they didn't say one word to us. And he, John, had to stay in his room for like two or three days with just crackers and water. That true was, story. That was discipline. That yeah. was true story. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it, I, it, it's it, crazy. It, yeah. But but that was our neighborhood. Moms and dads took care of other kids. It didn't matter. The, discipl- the discipline part, it was if they're still one of my kids. That's what the, all the parents thought. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what's great about a neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the old saying, it takes a village. Clearly, you guys had that. We had a village. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about toughness, and you guys learn toughness in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You go on, have a good career in high school basketball, obviously, mm-hmm. because you get a chance to play at University of Nebraska Kearney, mm-hmm. an NAIA school at that time. Kearney State. A Kearney that State. Time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that, you know, I'm an 86 graduate in high yeah. school. I should know that. Yeah. It was Kearney yeah. State. State. Yeah. yeah. So what was the, the decision for you? Because it's a full-time job in college yeah. to play any kind of sport. I don't care what level. Was it hard for you to make that decision? Or did you know right away, look, if I get an opportunity, I'm going? Yeah, my brother, my brother Tim played there, and he was an All-American there. He was a much better basketball player than I was. But uh, it was pretty easy. I, you know, I, I watched what they did and, and how they did it, and I wanted to be a part of it. And that uh, was a pretty simple decision. I had chances to go to UNO and, and a lot of other schools, but I just I want to follow that in that footstep. And I had an I had a older sister that was at Kearney at the same time, too. So what's the one thing you took away from that? And when you look back on it and say, here's something that has stayed with me that I've learned from my playing days at Kearney that I've used in business, I've used in life. What's one of those lessons you pulled? Probably discipline. Um, probably uh time management because uh, you know you had your school you had your practice uh, and I worked too we, we had to work too what'd you do uh, actually it wasn't a really hard job but I, I I ran mail back and forth between the campuses then I worked for the Brown Butch Brown from Brown Transfer uh, they put me on little things to do for them and, and uh, so I worked for them also it was they a trucking were, company right? a trucking yeah. company yeah. yeah they were great people to me yeah they, they actually their family actually helped us Helped me get into business, gave me the money to buy my first uh, dump truck. And so that was your first business then, is in yeah. the uh, trucking business? Well, no, no. No, okay. they, uh, no my first business was the roofing okay. siding company. Uh, but they gave me $2,500 to buy a F-250. And, and, and that's one of the things I, that was the first big purchase I had was yeah. that. Well, before we get to that, we, we started talking about toughness. You played for a coach, Coach Heaser, who had a great run at Carney uh, State. But you also had an assistant coach at the time, a guy named Tom Crop, who's kind of uh, known for uh, tough as nails. I mean, Legend. was a great player himself, mm-hmm. played in the NBA. And mm-hmm. then um, one of the things that he did is he had a lot of times his players come in and, 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 and go one-on-one with him. You got to tell me a little bit about that encounter with Coach Crop. Well, I wouldn't ever play one-on-one with him because he'd just destroy me. But we would play <laughs> pick up basketball at noon uh, to 100. And it was it – was, you know, we're all buddies, but during that time, that lunch hour, we weren't, there weren't, it was enemies. It was, you, you, you bust your butt and it was, it was, 
he would take legs out. It was crazy how tough and and he made everybody tough around him and he made our team tough. Uh, and that was back. You know, he was playing still. He'd play overseas and come back and and play a lot of that lunch hour stuff. And he would just he would destroy people and guys that are all Americans at Kearney State. Uh, he made them tougher, made them much better. You know, there is that balance between playing for a guy that's tough like that and embracing it. And then there are guys, there are coaches who try to be tough, and it just never connects, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the players or the kids are just like, you know, I don't relate to it. Why, when you have those tough coaches, what did they have that still enabled them to connect and you appreciated playing for it? Well, I think you, 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 it's, that's a really good question, but you saw how he played. He's played and coached the same way. He, he so you it, it correlated to all the players. Say, you know, he he's a lot of coaches will say. In toughness, talk toughness, but he he showed it and and displayed it and played it, and he coached the same way. Yeah, he, so he role modeled it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you get done with college at Kearney State, and it's time you mm-hmm. jump in as a young person into the business world, and you get weather guard rooferies uh-huh. going. I don't believe it was called rooferies. It's at called the time. weather weather yeah, guard. Weather guard. Yeah. Actually, the name of our company is Weather Guard Inc. But we we branded it the rooferies, and I could yeah. tell you a story about that later on. Yeah. With how we got that, but um, we we started it that way first. When I before I got in business, I sold windows and doors for paysetter windows and doors ah for about six months. But in high school, I mean, if we're going to go back that way, um, I did it. We did siding and and guttering and stuff for uh, uh, my best friend and I that started this together. Uh, uh, we we did it in high school for for his uncle, and that's how I got back in after I got back. When it, from college, and I sold windows and doors for the Schragers, and I'm like, this is all crazy hours, and people are coming chasing you, running <laughs> running down the street with you. I'm like, oh, okay. When I knocked on the last Why door. Why would they run down the street after you? Well, because well, you, you, you cold called them, you knocked on the door, yeah. and, and they, they would telemarket these people. They'd call them, and you know, I don't know if you remember all this stuff, yes. what they did, base hitter did, would they and, and they would set up leads for you. Well, this guy told them, no, but I was told yes, so I knocked on the door, and he started screaming, hollering at me, started yelling at me. I'm like, <laughs> I ran away, got in the car, and I left. I'm like, nah, I'm not I'm this. I could do this myself. Yeah, and that's how we. That's how I started. Right. You know, uh, here's what I think is fascinating about you. I, there aren't many high school kids who knew. A, I mean, you had incredible work ethic. There's no doubt about that. But you're always dabbling in business in high school. Yeah. And did you know that was going to be your path? Was it more no. fun and competitive? Or did you think, you know, this is what I want to do? I thought I was going to be a basketball coach and teacher. Uh-huh. Well, that's what I went to school for. But When did I, that change? Uh, when I was, I was going, I coached uh, for my dad at Roncalli. And I coached a freshman team. And it was, uh, and I thought, you know, that, that was the fun part. But the, the dealing with the um, <laughs> the uh, junior high kids was a different part, so I was like, eh, I don't think this is going to be for me. <laughs> so uh, that's when I that's kind of kind of when it changed. And I still did, you know, we I, I, we were doing the, uh, the the siding and guttering and stuff on the side, right? Yeah. Well, I didn't know when you said what kind of got under your skin. I didn't know if you were going to say the junior high kids or the officiating. <laughs> oh well, that's good. That's a good point. Fishing. Hey, when I was a little kid, my older brothers were playing. Mike and Kelly were playing. I almost. I had a, my one of my dad's games at David City Aquinas. I was I don't know eight or ten years old, and the referee told my dad that you know, I was sitting by my mom and, and and that I had to tell my that your son he needs to shut up, and that was me. And I was I was I did not like referees. I was one of those. <laughs> Holter, just like my dad, he was the same way. He did not like referees. Yeah, you know, so. it's funny. Uh, and, of course, you go on to an absolutely celebrated career. Nine Final Fours, you call in the NCAA, two national championship games. I think you co- or you called, what, 30 years or 29? 35. Yeah. And 35 years, Division One. Yeah. Right. So just finished um, that, yeah. That's a great percentage. So you go on. So you got your lesson early on from an official who put you in your place. It sounds oh, like. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, and you complied, I huh? I complied. Well, I I think I probably started crying. Uh, and then I sat next to my mother the rest of the game. I do remember that. <laughs> well, here you go. You start off, and it's it's 1987, right? When WeatherGuard starts. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's when the, the actually branding. I started in 85 ish. 
but 87 is when we, I think we incorporated and did that kind of stuff. So, so walk legally, me, yeah. Yeah. So walk me through how you came to the concept of, hey, you want to do roofing, you want to do gutters, you want to do siding. Where did that emanate from? What inspired you? Well, um, John Kirby and I were, you know, we, you know, we, we had, we, we just did, we started siding together and we did, we actually did all the work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then John graduated from UNO and, and he left and bought, I bought his equipment out for like 500 bucks. And, uh, and, and it was just, it, it just dawned on me like I could really turn this into something special. And, uh, you know, started very slow. It was just me and another guy. And then it was me and three other guys. And then we, we, get, we got a big job. And I'm like, oh, boy, I need to hire some people. And I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And, uh, but I hired some people anyway. And, uh, and now I had to do, you know, I still work with the guys. I worked with them every day. I, I did it for eight or ten years until I was in early 30s. And, I, and then I was like, this is getting a little bit hard on, on my body. Uh, so you go out, if there's a roofing job, you, you may be on site then. Oh, you yeah, I was out. on site all the time. Okay. Yeah. And then we had maybe six, seven people, uh, maybe with, with, depending on the day, it was, it's, you know, and, and it was tough trying to get everybody every day in that type of a business <laughs> to show up. So, um, but I worked it every day for at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I broke my back and I didn't break it physically. I mean, just physically, it was uh, it was tough. It's really hard work when you're up and down a ladder and you're carrying. Back then, we carried shingles up the ladder all the time. Uh, so, but I did it, and we did it till my 30s. And then we got a we we got a couple of really big jobs, and I had to, I had to hire more people, and uh, and that's when uh, I had a couple guys come into my office um, and said I can help you, and um, I hired those guys, and they've been basically with me ever since. When you when you start this, you know, there entrepreneurs always seem to have a lot of the same ill care because a lot of times they just start and they say, "Hey, I want to I want to own a business," but their their long term vision, their three to five year vision, just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like there was that point where you said, "This is going to be something bigger than just myself yeah. and me being the laborer. I'm going to hire and I'm going to work on the business versus in." Mm-hmm. How long into that process did that take before you had that vision? And again, was it just simply getting that big first client? I probably really it, you? It, it probably was that first that first big client we got. I was like, oh, this can probably work. You know, we, you, I wasn't making much money back then. Yeah. It was it was okay, but uh, I kind of saw a light where where um, I could make it work and I could grow the business and make it bigger and, and stronger. And uh, it, it was probably. Five, six, seven years into it, that I I, I kind of saw that light. Now it took a little bit longer to get it, to grow it, to ex- expand to where we're at now. But uh, it 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 was it was a process, and you know originally I didn't I didn't have that vision, right? Uh, but I and I looked, I watched it, uh, watched other people, and and not just in our same industry, but different industries, and s- saw how they did did things, and I tried to emulate those kind of people, and uh, and it. Seems seems like it's worked. So you you're balancing yeah, obviously starting this company, yeah. uh, which has been in place since 1987. You got mm-hmm. an incredible foundation and team around you, but you're also going into officiating. Yeah, and your officiating schedule isn't light. I mean, you're you're going to be doing you know serious <laughs> travel during yeah, it. Yeah. So how did you again? Was it very intentional where you sat down and said, "Here's how I'm going to make this work." Or was it something you just said, we're going to, we're going to jump into this. We're going to make it work and we'll figure it out later. Well, I have, you know, I get, I've been married for 32, 33 years now. So my wife was a big help. I mean, she, like when I started that, the basketball and doing the travel stuff, she helped a bunch in the business. Now she doesn't do so much anymore. My son, my oldest son, Colin fired her about four or five years ago, <laughs> supposedly. It'll be great Christmas yeah. you know, oh, time, yeah. won't it? <laughs> no, it's, no it's, he's just, just kidding. It was like, hey, you're done, Mom. you got to get out of the office. Yeah. But she was a big help when I started traveling and getting uh, you know, getting more into the referee and, and doing the Division division One stuff. Uh, that was a big help. But you know, at that time, we weren't as big. We didn't have as many jobs. We didn't, in the wintertime, we didn't work as much. 
So it kind of went hand in hand uh, with business, with, with, with that type of business um, uh, in the uh, fish shading. So yeah. it, it went hand in hand. So when you get to that point, though, uh, because there's a lot of business owners out there who are like, look, I'm interested in owning more than just mm-hmm. one entity. I want to have a couple of things going. I want to have uh, more than a couple. In fact, you're also involved with property ownership as mm-hmm. well. So what is your advice to them? How do you tell them this is how you make it work, having walked through this over the last 20 years or so? Work, <laughs> be disciplined, have a good partner. Um, if you have a partner, uh, whether it be a, a wife or a business partner, uh, somebody you can trust. Uh, and I, and you know, a lot of my people like the people I've have been with me 15 to 25 years are still with me. Yeah. And that's kind of unheard of in a small business. Like we have my, like my right hand guy has been 25 years in my business. And if you look at our industry, it's, they jump around like, like college basketball players from the portal to portal. They, yeah. they jump around and, and, uh, my right hand guy has been, He's been tremendous. So what have you done to create that culture and that atmosphere that he wants to stay there for 25 it's, it, years? It's a, it's a, it's, it's like, it's, um, a family type. It's a, it's truly a family business because mm-hmm. I have an older sister that works for me. I have a brother-in-law works for me. My son, Colin works for me. My young son, JJ, that's, uh, uh, going to be a senior. He does part-time stuff in the summer. He, he works for us and I've had family work for me over the years, nieces and nephews, and uh, they've all worked for me at one time or, or, or another. So uh, it's more of a family-type industry, even the, the guys that uh, are, are out in the field, they feel like we're family. So it's, a, it's truly uh, it's a family business, and it's, we treat it that way. And, but we, you know, we, we also, it's gotten to be a little bit more corporate-like also, but not, not nearly like, it, like a big company. How do you make that person that isn't a family member, though? How do you make them feel part of it? What does well, that look we, like on a daily basis? We, I mean, I, we, I talk to them. I call them. I, I call a lot of the guys all the time just to just to visit. How you doing? Where are we at? How's the job going? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know if that happens on on from all companies. I don't know that, but yeah. I think that's a, a a good way for for them to feel like they're part of the they're actually part of the building team and the and the building process uh, of our company. And I think that that has that has a long way to go um, with with your business. It's it's been good for us. So family can also be it can be fantastic, right? Oh, yeah. But it, there's also it challenges tough. that can be you know yeah. can can come with family. Mm-hmm. So do you have rules? Do you have I mean do you set down rules? Yeah. Is it more just they understand you as the owner well, so they, well? I, I one thing I do one of the, one of the things that I I try to do I don't try to micromanage anybody. I'll let them do what they want to do. And if I think that it's something that, that should change or if they make a mistake in something, learn from that mistake and move forward. I don't, I'm not a screamer, not a yeller. Now, once in a while it happens, but, um, but I let them do what they do. Uh, try to, to show them the way, to how to do it, how we do it, um, and then let them do it. Uh, so I, I, I lead that way, I guess. I, I you know, let them make mistakes and then learn from that mistake and then figure out how to, you know, fix it and go move forward. Yeah. And I, again, you talk about consistency. I've done about 15 shows and it seems like the great owners who have these long standing businesses, that's, that's also a part is that they allow, they train people to mm-hmm. do the job mm-hmm. and then they, they sit back and let them do it. Mm-hmm. And they don't, I imagine you don't, when the small mistakes happen, it's just a teaching moment, right? Yeah. And do you, or do you even go back and teach? Do you just have so much trust no. that they know that they made a mistake? No, they know they made a mistake. Yeah. I, and I always, you've, you've read that book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Right. I think it's one of the greatest books ever for that. And you can't sweat the small stuff because you, if you do, at least in the business world, I think you're you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Uh, so I don't do that anymore. Now my wife. My wife would really sweat the small stuff, which is good. She's a detailed person, very detailed. But I, I'm not as detailed because I don't, uh, it, in regards to that kind of stuff. But, again, I just, it's going to be okay. It's going to be there tomorrow. Uh, we'll fix it. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody's, nobody's dying. Um, we'll be okay. And that's how I've, that's how I've worked it. So, you know, I was reading something the other day, uh, 50 to 80% of 
businesses, uh, well, businesses have been, you know, in place for over five years, 50 to 80% come for referrals. Sounds like that fits into your business. In fact, that number is a little bit higher. Why is that? Uh, well, I, I think we've done a good job over the years and we, we, people trust us and trust is the biggest part of, of, uh, you know, business. Um, I, I get, I've, I've had people that I've done jobs for three, four five times. Uh, and then, you know, they tell their family members or they tell their friends and, and, and we do a good job and, and referrals, if, you know, if you keep doing a good job for those people that do referrals, you're going to get more referrals from those people. And it just spreads. It's, it's just a good thing. And, uh, you know, if you make a mistake, you go back and you answer your phone and you return a phone call, that's a big deal in, 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 in our business and well, any business it's like that. But when you return phone calls and you uh, do what you say you're going to do, that's pretty, you know, that you'll get referrals. It, you, you will. And you do what you're going to do. And uh, that's, that's the one thing I always tell any of my people is, uh, is return the phone call, do what you're going to say that you're going to do, and uh, everything will be fine. Yeah, and you go beyond Nebraska too. It sounds yeah. like you have business, you know, outside yeah. of the state, which yeah. is certainly saying something that the word travels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does travel. Um, we we've done jobs in in Michigan, and Tennessee, and New York, and uh, just got back from Utah and uh, Texas and and different places. We do a, a specialty product that we we've, we've uh, uh, done really well with is uh, Da Vinci products. So we. Uh, we, and that's a roof, right? That's a roofing yeah, product, yeah. yeah. And we've done really, we've we've done great with, great at that. And people um, people have referred us on that with architects, and and um, so it, it's that's been a that's been a really win win for for the for us for that. And the basketball part of it has tied in with that from the national part of it because they you know they you any more you Google a guy you know like you Google my name and and next thing you know and it has. He has this business, and he's also this referee that's done the Final Four, and and it's and it's just it just ties in together. Yeah, it's it's it does mesh well. Now let's talk about that sales process, though. Um, do you because your referral is so robust? Do you need a, a strong inside sales presence? And if so, what does that look like? Or is it? Is something you don't necessarily need because the referral business is so strong. I think our referral business is extremely strong. Now we, you know, we don't do it as like other companies probably do it. We don't have a sales force of ten or fifteen or twenty people. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. We we'll have four or five guys, uh, including myself, that that just just go and 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 visit with the people and tell them our story. And we don't have to tell much of our story because they know our story. Uh, so. We don't beat anybody up uh, uh, to get a job, uh, and I don't. We try to not get beat up on our price. We we set our margins, and if they want us, fine. If they don't, that's fine too. Because uh, you know, as many years as we've been in business, thirty five plus years, uh, we've always had business, and it's always been we've always been busy. Yeah, you know, and I was watching your website the other day, and I saw the referral. Uh, it, it just came to life, and I don't think this was intentional. Kim Pavelka, who's one of yeah. your spokesmen, the, yeah. the great play-by-play guy for mm-hmm. Nebraska basketball and prior to that football as well, he's interviewing a couple, and they talk about what you guys did and, and the trust that they had in your company. And then she just very spontaneously talks about she got a call from a friend who said, hey, I need a roof done, and I need a roof done quick. Uh, and she referred you guys. And so I think right there, I don't even know if you guys knew, but that was such I, a great, uh, you know, promotion of, of WeatherGuard um, because that referral just came to life right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, Cleet's done a, uh, uh, inter, or a uh, advertising for us, too. Yeah. And we did his roof and helped him with his insurance company. And those kind of things with, with your ties with that is is big with referral because everybody knows everybody is a everybody's a sports person and and um, they like to be tied with sports people and you have a guy like with Cleet Blakeman that uh, worked the worked the um, Super Bowls before and longtime NFL good friend of mine and it's, his dad was an official and uh, uh, I knew his dad and and um, just a great person so those kind of things with re- referral business and it's just it's it's 
by far the, the easiest way to get business. Hey, we're taking a little break in the show to make sure you know about Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. Not many banks have been around for 139 years, but Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland has. And why? Because they offer full-service business banking, and you'll always speak to a live human being when you give them a call at Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. They're commercial lenders. They are more than happy to share their expertise and to help you navigate any business financing that you may need, including SBA, TIF, or Nedco financing. So go to fmnb.com. Right below me, you're going to see that website or give them a call at 402-944-3316. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. So let's talk about rooferies. You said mm-hmm. you branded it rooferies. So where did that come from? I mean, I think I know the tie-in, well, but tell me a little bit about what inspired it. Well, well, what it really inspired it was we were, I was doing a mediation with the uh, with a couple of companies that were in mediation in a lawsuit. And the judge said to me, you know, you're kind of like a rooferie. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And Trent <laughs> in, in, in our office, and we talked about it, and I was like, that's really good. So that's where we branded the rooferies, and it kind of and it ties well. Now, it ties well, but, you know, when it came down to that, game in 2017 that the Kentucky yeah. frame and now that that it it went to the opposite way now uh that, that you know they they could google my my name real quick and it brought up rooferies and the next thing you know they went to our website which is rooferies.com um that that took our you know they and they went to google and gave it you know our ratings was like 4.8 4.9 took it to 1.1 overnight mm-hmm. we had more ratings in target and walmart and all that in one day of course, they're all fake stuff. And now we've been, ever since 2017, we've tried to build our way back out of that Google because you can't get them off. Right. You just can't yep. get them off. doesn't matter. Like we had one the other day that put some on there. It wasn't even, it's not a huge, not a true customer. Yeah. Uh, just, I don't know if it's a jealousy thing or if it's uh, what it is, but it's something that, um, you know, drives you nuts. But people know in our in our area who we are, what we're about, and and that we're trustworthy companies. Yeah, you know, I, and by the way, let me just set that up. 2017, you're calling a basketball game. Uh, Kentucky loses, some fans upset, and you got, my understanding is, over 3,000 calls to the office oh, that day, Oh, at minimum, right? at yeah. minimum, yeah. And, and that's what I want to ask you about this is crisis management, crisis leadership. You had to jump in immediately. This was unforeseen. Yeah. Um, how did you walk through that? Because I, you don't have a crisis team. On no, site. no, 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 we don't. So walk me through what you did to just deal with it with your employees, with, of course, obviously the integrity of your business, my wife, my family. Yeah. Yeah. So my, so you know, my some of my employees have no idea about basketball. Don't know anything about it. Don't really care about it. Which That's is probably fine, really nice, right? Which is great. <laughs> But they wondered why there was a, 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 a um, um, Sarpy County Sheriff sitting in front of my office. Well, the FBI had came in that day when because we got so many phone calls and threatening uh, phone calls and emails that you know we called the Douglas County Sheriff. Next thing you know, they called the FBI because they're you know coming from outside, and now they got an FBI guy sitting in our office answering their uh, answering phone calls, um, and so. You know, we just got them together and said, listen, this is what happened. You shouldn't have anything to worry about. They're like, do we need to, you know, what do we need to do? Are you going to stop business, whatever? I said, no, we weren't going to do that. But um, I said, just go along your day. Is there anything out of crazy? Uh, just let us know or call the police. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a tough couple of weeks um, at that point. And how but, long did it go on? Oh, I mean, it's, it still goes on. I still get blamed for Kentucky losses today. <laughs> and now that I'm a retired referee, I, they'll probably still blame me. They'll, 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 they'll blame the referees, that's for sure. But um, uh, it, it went on for really hard for about a month, two months, and then it kind of w- wandered off a little bit. And, but even to this day, we still get them. It mm. doesn't matter if mm. I'm, I, well, I don't referee their games anymore, and I haven't. Um, but that was a that was a crazy moment, and you know when my son came home, he was little, and he said, and he, he asked because kids were talking, because parents were talking, obviously, 
in, in SF, somebody's trying to kill dad. Oof. That was like, oh, my. that's really hard. Yeah. That was really hard. So yeah. that was, that, and my wife was really, really, really upset. And uh, it was tough. You know, we, we had a, we had a unpublished home phone. Of course, we don't have that anymore. Right. Um, and that was, uh, that was really scary time. But it was, it was uh, some of the things I can't repeat what they said oh. on our home phone and our business phone. And well, you can read, you can go on Google, see what some of the people put out there. It was just absolutely crazy over a basketball game that I had nothing to do with yeah. on the, on, on the game. Besides I had to come out of my area. I was with a couple of younger guys. Um, I had to come out of my area and get three or four calls that were tough calls. They went against Kentucky, but they got them all right. Um, obviously, you got them right because they were the final four that year. Mm-hmm. So, and I had a security guard the twenty four seven at the, and it was a it was a guy that took care of security for Michael Jordan when he would come to that area, Phoenix. Yeah, um, he was my security guy for twenty four seven for the for two and a half days I was there, and they and they gave us a, they gave us um, uh, different names. Uh, our whole family had different names wow. at the hotel. At the hotel. And, yeah, anybody got. 25 foot of me, the guy shut him down real quick. <laughs> it was crazy. It was a crazy time. But it, we, we got through it, and, um, and um, it was tough for that, for that time period. But it's, it's gotten better and better. Now, we did lose some business from people because they thought, you know, it was, I was a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, because of supposedly the, these calls. But it was. T- to live through that, I mean, I just, I, I can't even imagine it, especially the way it affected your family. Oh, yeah. Um, but you showed some kind of steely moxie through this because for you to just go into your, you know, I'm assuming a calm, you were calm. Yeah. Your demeanor was calm. Anyone that goes through some, I can't even imagine most people going through anything like this, but every company has a little bit of a crisis at some point. Your advice to them, uh, walk me through it. I mean, you were, you were jumped you know, thrown into this. In a millisecond. So, what would, would it be? I would say, stay disciplined. Like I, like I said earlier, stay, stay tough, stay true to your beliefs of what you got, and you'll you'll get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to really be strong and have good surrounding people uh, around you. Like my wife wanted me to quit refereeing just because of that. You just wanted out of the spotlight. And I said, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna let them do what they, you know, what they want mm-hmm. to happen is me to quit. And I wasn't going to do that. Uh, so that's, you know, I got through it and I got it, you know, I got it. There's a, a great group of uh, referees that are, you know, there are business partners there. They are that are, that helped me through it. Um, and that was, you know, I had great bosses. Uh, I had a bunch of really good guys that were on my, were, were, were on my back. So that was, mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah. Another thing that I want to talk about this is how you fought, because a lot of business owners, you mentioned it, uh, Google reviews are out there. I I own two staffing businesses, and sometimes we'd get a review where they would just flat out be on, you know, it wouldn't even be truthful. Uh, They'd say we hadn't offered them a job and we'd offered them three and we tracked everything. And so often business owners are just like, you know, I'm going to put my hands up and just we'll move on. And sometimes that's the best thing. But you fought. Filed a lawsuit. You also mm-hmm. came out. You talked to the press. You said, "Here's what's going on." Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about the you know inspiring business owners to make sure they fight when something's said about your business. This is your business. This is your livelihood. This is serious stuff. And a lot of times, people don't understand that how much work and sweat and toil you have invested in this. And so, the ability and and obviously uh, the initiative to fight. Talk a little bit about that. How important that is to businesses. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's extremely important. And and you know, you got to be truthful to yourself. Um, you got to be you, you, the referral part of it really helps will, will really help you. And you got to reach out to some people, too, for some support and help, because we did that. We we you know, we went to people. Hey, can we get you know, we went to a lot of our customers and that knew the truth, knew what we were all about and have them. We had them help us with Google reviews. And and, and then when we were bidding jobs with for commercial customers, and most of the commercial customers were great. They knew they knew the story. But when people had a question in their mind, we would have customers that we had make phone calls for us. Mm-hmm. So they, again, we we tied it as like we we were family. We're family to the our customers, and we 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 had people make phone calls on our behalf. That hey, 
this stuff that they said is not true. Uh, it, so it took a long that 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 year was tough. It took time for us to um, dig out of that part. But it, at the end of the at the end of the day, it probably was good for us mm-hmm. um, to to go through this to uh, um, for our. Our, our myself, it was. I mean, it was tough in the beginning, obviously, for four, five, six months. But we grew, we grew, we grew stronger, and our guys and our people were like, "Screw them! We're gonna, we're gonna fight to the end, and we'll get there." And eventually, we got there, and he turned the corner, and next thing you know, we're we're getting referrals from Ohio and in Tennessee and that kind of stuff. So that's developed. And that's developed in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, so that's it's just you got to persevere and, and be tough and strong and 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 stay to your core values and your beliefs. And I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Let's talk about I said we had a lot of ground to cover in this interview because obviously we mentioned earlier nine final fours, you call two national championships, a great career in the officiating world. But now you're stepping down and you're going to run. We had a, we, I had one in the Division Two also championship. Championship. Game. Who yeah. played in that, by the way? Do you remember? A team from California and team from... Um, boy. Yeah, I'm testing your memory team here. Team from Kentucky. And it was in Louisville, Kentucky. I remember that. Yeah. So how many years did you do D2 before you moved into D1? Well, I worked I worked D2 and D1 at the same time for... Yeah three, four, five years. And then once I got to that point, I got to uh, the one year I worked the national championship. I was, I, I was asked to, I worked the first round of the NCAA at division one. And then they asked me to, to go standby in the um, NCAA division one tournament. I'm like, so I had a, I called the, the guy, I said, Hey, what you want me to go standby? I went to the division one. I go, you want me to go standby? I'll do that um, in the second round, which is a huge, I mean, it was early on in my career. It was, was huge. And, and he says, no, I want you to go work the national championship. I said, okay. So I went to work in the Division Two national championship, and that's, that's, that's helped me ever since. I think I know the, the answer to this, but was the intensity just as big in a D2 national championship as, as any D1 game? The pressure at that point, yeah, it felt yeah. that because you're, you're on CBS. It was like my first time I was ever on a big national stage, really. Um uh, during the middle of the day, and I can remember when I got home from the game, all a bunch of my friends and family were at the airport waiting for us. This is before nine eleven, obviously. Uh, but there were there walked off the plane, had signs and stuff, and that you know, congratulations mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But it, the intensity was there in to me. Now, well, there wasn't seventy thousand people in the arena like a national championship game or a final four game, but there was. Five, six, seven thousand people, and you felt that you felt that pressure, and, and, and that, and but you, you know, once you get into those games, it's it's just like another game, and and uh, it's you know you're on a cloud when you first walk in. But I think you had the perfect upbringing to be a big time basketball official because you grew up in a tough neighborhood mm-hmm. where people took care of each oh, other, yeah. and that included maybe mm-hmm. a little discipline from here oh, and there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you look back on it, why were you built not only to be an official, there's a lot of officials, but an official who achieved nine national semifinals, three national championship games. What do you think when you look back on it, why were you built for that? Well, probably because I was the youngest, one of the youngest boy in our family. And, uh, and, and in the area, you know, and my mom and dad were really tough. They were tough on you and they were, uh, they worked. And you watch them work, and you watch your brothers and sisters work, and yeah. you watch your 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 buddies, mom, and dad work, and and all the kids worked. Everybody worked, and uh, you just that's what you did. You you just had to work, and, and no matter what you did, it doesn't matter. You're going to work hard to to achieve what you're going to achieve. And that was, you know, once I got into it, I was like that. You know, your go- of course your goals change. And when I first got into refereeing, uh, I didn't had no idea I was going to be a division referee. Zero idea. So that was not the no, plan. No, it wasn't my plan originally. Accidentally kind of fall on your lap? Or? Well, once I got to, I, I remember getting hired in the Metro Conference. I thought that was the biggest thing in the world. I thought, wow, this is unbelievable. I'm in the Metro. And then I got, and then I got brought into this. They had the Metro's finest club. So all the veteran referees here in Omaha took me in. Harry Forehand and Mike Peters and J.D. Burks and, and uh, uh, I mean, all these Mike Culver and 
all these guys, they had this group called the Metro's Finest. I still wear the shirt under my referee shirt to this day. So that was Metro's a big Finest. moment. It was to a get huge that. moment yeah. in my life. And I can remember, I never worked a state championship or state tournament in Nebraska. And I can remember Harry Forehand, um, I'm in the locker room, and we're working a district game. And the, the, uh, the guy that ran the NSAA asked my guy, uh, and this is the first year I got into division, well, not division one, but um, college. I was working at NAI, small college, and then high school, high school stuff. And it was my first year I was eligible for work state tournament. And I heard him say, if you don't get the kid now, you'll never get him. And that next year I got hired in, into Division One basketball, and I never worked a state tournament in the state of Nebraska. Isn't that so? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I saw that you've been doing a few uh, AAU games. Yeah, I you, do. Yeah, with my yeah, son. Yeah. yeah. So, so That's are you doing it back. for him? And Well, him and a bunch of we need officials. Yes. Officials are so it's they're beat up. They're they're people don't want to get into it because of the fans and the coaches and the, and the AAU stuff. It's out of control. Um, so I'm I'm trying to help kids and help people to to get into it and then you know uh, to to try to mentor these kids that hey this is not as bad as you think it is. Now it can be bad if you let it be that way. Uh, but again, you got to be tough. Yeah. Gotta, what do you mean by that, though? If you let it, you saying take control of the game. You got to take control of the game. Yeah. You got. You have to have control of a basketball game, no matter what level it's at. Mm-hmm. And people know, coaches know, players know, fans know. If you're weak, they know it. They can. They can. In the college level, they'll 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 go after the weak official every single time. They know who's tough. They won't go after you nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. So they so they they can smell that weakness. They you see it in the lower levels. And I talk to my son and his buddies that start refereeing. Do not let anybody get on your skin. There's a there's a line to cross. Once they cross it, you need to tell them to stop. Uh, it doesn't matter, and it's hard for a young kid to do that to a parent that's yeah. thirty years old, thirty five years old, and you're sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. That's hard. Uh, but they have to. They, it's a great teaching moment for those kids too. At sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, it's a great teaching moment. How to first of all, how to handle handle yourself in a situation like that with a parent, or even with the coach, or what have you, and with the player. It's great conflict resolution. Um, doing a job like that. If you talk to any basketball coach, football coach. Uh, People and the people that they want to hire, like team managers, because they'll referee their games, and they they know conflict ma- uh, resolution stuff. They learn time management. Um, those are the guys you can ask any head coach, any basketball coach out there, football. They want to hire those kind of guys, and referees are the same way. Um, so, who taught you that? I mean, here you are. You're pretty sought after as a high school official, right? Then you go into D1. I know when you said to me earlier, hey, I am a workhorse, no doubt. But there is so much more that's going on when you're officiating a basketball game. I mean, it's mental. Oh, it's yeah. so mental. Yeah. You're not just calling, hey, the ball went off his fingertip and, right. and it's, it's right. Rutgers ball. Right. The mental part of it. Who taught you that? Where do you think that got instilled? I think probably my dad from sports. Uh, as a coach, as a coach, yeah. I saw that. I saw that in that you know, early on in my career, I would have him go to games like at Drake and Northern Iowa and Iowa State, and, and uh, you know, on the way home, he would tell me all the things I did wrong. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, okay, you're supposed to be on my team, not on everybody else's team. Uh, but I learned that. I learned a lot of that from my dad. I think. Yeah, I did. Obviously, you, you've just stepped down after an mm-hmm. incredible career. You're going to run the Western Basketball Officiating Consortium. Uh-huh. Where you are going to develop, you are going to uh, hire and train mm-hmm. officials, mm-hmm. Um, Pac-12s in that consortium and mm-hmm. five other conferences mm-hmm. as well. So what was appealing to you about that at this time in your career? Well, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Um, there's not much else you could do in basketball. Um, you know, you, your goal to get in, if you're in college, you're going to stay in college. Um, would be to work the Final Four, and that's your goal. And I worked, you know, worked nine of them. Um, so I, it was they approached me in in uh, uh, Houston and asked me if I'd be interested. And I thought my wife has been after me to quit for the last four or five years. 
So I thought, yeah, I'll listen to you. So we had a conversation, and they asked me, you know, you know, to apply. Or to, you know, we're going to meet with you in a couple of weeks on a Zoom call. So we did that and then had another one, and they offered me the job. The commissioners called and offered me the job, and I thought, hmm, do I, re- do I really want to do this? And, I, you know, other people that were, were applied had probably, you know, they've, they've done these things in, in the past, or they have Division II experience or Division III, NAI, whatever, of assigning. I didn't have any of that. Uh, I didn't have any of that, but... I did have business experience, and I talked to him about yeah. time management and 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 um, and being, uh, you know, how how I manage, you know, the roofing company and the and the properties company and uh, how how I do that. And they, I think that's probably how I received that, but received the offer. But you know, turned sixty two. Uh, you know, I'm not getting younger. I had a hip replaced three years ago, which is like getting a Oil, uh, oil changed or a, uh, a engine replaced. It's like now it's the best thing since sliced bread, uh, and it was a pretty simple process. But you just don't know when the next thing's going to happen, and you, you know you don't know. When, these jobs don't come come open very often. The guy that I replaced been at the job for thirty years. He's uh, he came off the court at fifty, and uh, and you know they're going to pay me decently for it, and um, yeah, I agreed upon it. You know, I think the legacy, too, that you can leave. I mean, you're going to leave an incredible legacy already with uh, WeatherGuard and your tenure as an official. But now you get the chance. I mean, here's a guy that's going out and working AAU games to help some young kids in the Nebraska, Iowa area. This legacy uh, that you're going to leave now as as WBC, uh, wow. I mean, what an opportunity for you and did that play a role at all when you think about that because it, it did yeah I, you know i i think we need help in that in that uh part especially in the western part of the country it seems to be we just haven't had the the people um get to the final four which is going to be a goal of mine not just get to the final four yeah. because it's really hard to get there they take sure. their, they take nine guys to referee the game so nine out of 900 is Pretty small percentage, right? Right. Um, so, but my goal is to get guys to the second weekend. Uh, my guys is to train. Uh, first of all, find, train, uh, develop, and teach these kids how to become that next Kip Kissinger or, or, or John Higgins or whoever you want to uh, uh, take. Uh, that's my job. That's my goal, and I think I think we can get there. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I, I think uh, I got to really good team that I put together behind me, um, which uh, I, I trust all the guys that I put on our team. I got a, um, guys that I've refereed with um, and guys that are really good business people that can that have that same kind of skill, I think, that, that, that I would look for. Uh, so, I, you know, I put together a really good team, and that's, that's, that's big, will be key for me. Yeah, this isn't a rubber stamp position for you. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you've gone in and you've already established what it sounds like, some metrics, right? We want oh, to get yeah. more people, more oh, officials yeah. advancing oh, yeah. in the NCAA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, more people probably even doing the tournament, right, just oh, out yeah. of the gate. Yeah. Um, so what did you do when you got this opportunity? How did you sit down and say, all right, here are my priorities, and, and let me look at this. And Because there's so many arms to this job, from developing, <laughs> hiring, training, right? I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize all the friends I was going to develop in the, re, in the referee business. Uh, I didn't realize all the phone calls I was going to get and how people could help me. Uh, uh, but, you know, I looked at the roster. Uh, we have a lot of people on the roster. There's 167 guys on our, on our team um, that I, I'll be – in charge of mm. so but i have to you know make some decisions on you know firing hiring uh i, I reached out to a bunch of guys that i trust that i've refereed with in the past ncaa type guys guys that haven't come from outside the primary area and i'm to bring them there and i got 22 23 guys that uh, that have that Kind of going to put their trust in me that mm-hmm. they're going to um, they're going to come out referee for me, which is a huge deal. Uh, anytime you get that NCAA uh, badge on your on your chest, you're believable um, and you're and you're good. You're you're just you're you're better than other guys. 
So I'm bringing 22, 23 guys out. Now, we had a camp about two, three weeks ago that I, to, to identify uh, guys that have a chance to get to that, get to a level. So we're, I'm going to hire some guys out of that. Um, and then we also I, – I, there's guys on our staff that I have never seen referee uh, because I normally would work the higher profile, higher games in the, in the West Coast part of the country. Um, I didn't know the other mm-hmm. guys, so I watched these guys at this camp and evaluated those guys. So I – you know, my job is to train, teach, and develop – I first identify and, and try to move these guys forward uh, and with my team um, to to teach them these kind of things. And now it's going to be difficult, um, but it will it, it will come over time. Uh, I believe it. I get there's some really good young guys out there that um, uh, that they look the part, they act the part. Now, once you get under the bright lights. In a basketball game, any kind of setting like that, it's a different. It can be a different story. Mm-hmm. You know, guys can be great in practice, uh, but it c- comes at game time. You know that a shot just doesn't finish right. They just same thing. You know, in a golf course, or wherever. Yeah. It's. It, but you got to you got to give those kids the opportunity to see if they can be the next guy that has a chance to get to the final four. Yeah. Uh, clearly it says a lot about the trust that you have developed with people that 23 folks are going to come over and help you and, uh, help the WBOC because of your involvement, which is, which is saying something. Um, you also talk about trust. I know that there's so many coaches, you know, we, we talked about earlier the, the bad experience, but my golly, so many coaches have said great things about you. I know Tom Izzo had said some great things mm-hmm. and many others. Um, but I got to ask you a couple of basketball questions. If you don't want to go here, you don't have to tell no, me. But the I, first one I here. Best. I, I'm okay. not a referee. Okay. <laughs> I'm off of court. All right. Well, the first one is what are you going to miss most when you walk into that arena? You know, the, the lights are, are going big game, full crowd. Whether it's an NCAA game or just a big late season conference game, what are you going to miss most about that experience? Probably that feeling when you walk in, you just get that thrill in your body, and then making the tough call against the home crowd that gets after you. <laughs> uh, that's kind of fun to do, um, and then the camaraderie that you have with your officials. I'll, although I'll still have some of that now, being in this job because I'll be still be around the guys, the referees, and because we're just, you know, it's a brotherhood. It's it's because. It's just us. Yeah. It's us, not us against them, but we're the only people that think we're any good. Um, uh, the fans, <laughs> none of us, you know, on, at least the, whoever wins, the fans think you're great, and then whoever loses, the fans think you're you're a bum. Yeah. So, you, you know, I'll miss that part of it. Um, it just just that feeling that you get really that you walk in. It's like when you walk into. I remember walking in the first Final Four. I work. You you just kind of pinch yourself to thinking. Wow, I, you know, there's seventy thousand people, and of course, the first time I worked one, a guy said, "Don't worry, no, no pressure, just seventy thousand people and like seventy million watching on TV." I'm like, "Oh, yeah. thanks, thanks a lot." <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it's there's no other there's no feeling like it uh, when you walk into a sporting event and you just you're in control of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, that's what I'll miss about it. Yeah, toughest crowd. Toughest venue consistently to go in and, oh, and officiate. Boy. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, New Mexico. Ah. Uh, Oklahoma State when it was full. Uh, West Virginia, obviously Kentucky. <laughs> um, uh, there's 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 so many venues that can be great venues um, around the country. Uh, uh, Kansas is a is a tough. I mean, it's not tough. It's a, they them they've. It's a great environment. Yeah. You know, them and there and Cameron Indoor are probably the two best as far as atmospheres go. Um, they can all be tough. Yeah, it just depends on the on the on the games. All right, one more here. Tell me about a coach that made life easy for you. Um, you know, we everyone always wants to know the toughest coach, right? But. Was there was there a, a coach or two that you you thought, hey, they may get on me, but they're going to be fair about their comments, and we can have a a disagreement without it getting crazy, or is that a lot of them? That's a lot of them. Probably one of them. I, I mean, back in the day, he 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 didn't like me, then he liked me, then he didn't like me at the end. But that was Bob Knight. Uh huh. Um, at one time, he I was one of his, his he supposedly his guys. 
Um, and then I would throw him out at uh, Texas Tech when, when, at a game in front of his guys, um, what, like Bill Parcells and those guys, uh, Jim Leland, those guys were in the crowd. It was Louisiana Tech, and I had to whack him, and, and it was not – from that point on, it went – Yeah. But, you know, what? back you – know, he. He played mind games with everybody. He mm-hmm. was he was a great, great, great coach. I mean, he was a, and he was a, obviously a tremendous teacher. Uh, sad to how it all all ends, but um, but he was he was he was he was not bad. Um, Bill Self's always been a, a man's man. Bob Huggins is is a guy that been tough, um, but not he's not terrible. And yeah. I know he's, that that's kind of ended on a sad note um, for him. Uh, but there's Tom Izzo is one of the best out mm-hmm. there. He can be tough as nails and like a pit bull over there on the sideline. But at the end of the day, he's 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 a, he's a good dude. You know, I was talking. I got one last. We'll wrap with this. The um, Bob Knight story, and you've probably heard this because it, it came from a Division One basketball official. But he was calling a game of Bob Knight's, and um, the game wasn't going well for Coach Knight and. <laughs> All of a sudden, out of a timeout, they were down about 20. I don't know if he was at Texas Tech or Indiana. But kid comes out, and he's standing next to the official. And everywhere that official went, the kid just stood next to him. So he turns to the kid, and he's like, what are you doing? And he said, Coach Knight said to guard the guy that's hurting us the worst tonight. That's you. <laughs> not shocking. That's n- that's not shocking. Yeah. yeah. That's probably a true story. Classic Bob Knight. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you're a classic. I appreciate you so much. You and bet. this has been a, an incredible uh, hour we spent. And uh, congratulations on the new Thank position you. and a great career, too. Thank you. All right. A Huda Media Production.